Well, we are in the Advent season, and accordingly, this year, I'm doing a four-part series that I'm calling Christmas According to Isaiah. We think of the Christmases only being in the New Testament, and of course, most of the events of the Incarnation being fulfilled are there, but there are many prophecies and foretellings and ancient viewing of what was to come by the prophets of old. And through word-shaped windows, we're looking at some of those passages, particularly in the book of Isaiah, uh, and these stunning prophecies of the coming Messiah in order to help us see Jesus better. Think of them this way. Isaiah is full of gospel gifts. It's full of things that tell us what God will do for us and in us through his Son and by his Spirit. Our scripture reading this morning is Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Again, hear the word of the Lord with careful appreciation and attention. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Let us now ask God's blessing upon the reading of his holy word. Father, once again, Lord, we thank you for the promise made long ago that your son would be the king of all mountains and would be the one who would bring peace, a lasting peace that only can come from the Prince of Peace. Father, show us again today as we peer, look at this vision that Isaiah saw of the mountain, Lord, in which the, all would be streaming to it. Father, may that become reality more and more as it has already begun. May it become more and more true in us and in 
this world and all the places even to the ends of the earth for your glory. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There are few things in all creation as majestic and mighty as a mountain. Wouldn't you agree? A mountain, a powerful mountain. Now, we don't have any around here in our neck of the woods that are what you would call uh, powerful mountains. Uh, although, you know, you get up to Klingman's and you get up to Mount Mitchell, they're, they're pushing six and a, six and a half, uh, seven, going on seven. Uh, but they're not really there. You got to go out west uh, if you want to see something. And, uh, uh, and uh, one of those places we were privileged to go a couple of years ago now, um, Louise and I out west, and we got to see uh, the, the incredible beauty of Mount Hood and how when we rolled off the plains and down into the Columbia River Gorge and there in the middle of nowhere was this huge snow-capped mountain in September. And uh, it's just, it was just incredible. And we got to go up and spend some time on it. And then, of course, Rainier. Oh, what an amazing. And we got to see some extraordinary sights up there that are very rare uh, and to see in the clarity. But what an incredible, powerful mountain. Uh, and, of course, there are many others much bigger than that around the world and uh, up in uh, places like uh, Denali and places like that. But mountains, uh, we've just read Isaiah. He was concerned with a big mountain also. He saw a big mountain, but not physically like the ones I mentioned, but he saw with the sight that was given to a prophet of God. And Isaiah the prophet spent time gazing at that majestic mountain that would one day bring a better world to the one that we know all too well. There's a lot of problems with our world and the mountains now because sinners are inhabiting them. But one day, there is going to be a king who sits on a chief as the chief of all the mountains. And so, in verse 1, we know that that day is coming. In verse 1, we should understand that this prophecy contained both verbal and visionary elements. Things that were said, spoken, and things that were seen. Uh, it's, it's like painting a picture with words. Uh, we, that's what metaphors are. They're word pictures. They try to ex take something and explain something else through words. And so they outlined today this vision that Isaiah saw. The first part of the outline is the period of the vision. In other words, when did it take place? Secondly, the portrayal of the vision. How is it, it focused? What does it show us? What does it help us see? And then the promise of the vision. What, what kind of gospel promise is going to be revealed here today in this text in the book of Isaiah? 
So let's dig into that. First of all, the period of the vision. When did this happen? When was it going to happen? It certainly wasn't happening in the time of Isaiah because there had been, and at this point in time, they were still getting ready to go into judgment in Babylon. So it certainly wasn't what was being foretold and what we read in our scripture. Certainly that wasn't happening in Isaiah's time. So when was it? Look again at verse 2. A, it says, and it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house, the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains. So it's not in Isaiah's day. When was it? You see, the old prophets in Israel, were often called seers, seers, seers. Uh, and that is because they were giving supernatural ability to see into the future. And because of their divinely given power to see things in the future. And here Isaiah was foretelling the future of Judah and Jerusalem, but not in the form that they presently were. There would be something else, and there was a time that yet had to come. And in this case, it is said it will be in the last or latter days. That's when this mountain of the Lord is going to be king of all mountains. Well, did Isaiah know when that was? Even though he was a seer, he, he saw the vision, but he didn't know when that was. A lot of prophets did not know what God was telling them he was going to do or when. Let me give you an example. 1 Peter 1.10 Concerning this salvation, Peter is writing as a, a prophet. He says, concerning this salvation, the prophets, meaning guys like Isaiah, who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours. Isn't that amazing? Not, not, not the law, the, but the grace that was to be yours. Searched and inquired carefully. These prophets were trying to get it right. They were trying to get and understand when this was going to happen and in more detail. But it says they inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Ultimately, the reality, the promised one, the Messiah came, and it was Jesus. And that's what Peter's saying. But he said a lot of those guys back in the day, they didn't get the, the full picture. They knew they were prophesying something great, something amazing, but they didn't really know exactly when. So when is it? When are these latter days in which this kind of stuff happens? Well, listen again to two more texts. 
Acts chapter 2, verses 17, and Hebrews chapter 1 and 2. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. But in these last days, Hebrews 1 says, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. So when is this time going to be? When is this mountain of the Lord going to be like what we read in this passage in our scripture reading? What is supposed to happen will happen between the first advent and the second advent of Jesus. Those are the latter days. It's not something way back Beyond that, before Jesus came. And it's not something that's going to happen after Jesus has returned. It started when Christ came in the incarnation. And it's been building and in process and will continue until one day it is this full-orbed mountain that King Jesus reigns on throughout all the earth and all its inhabitants. You see, it's the time between the two comings of the Lord, what we call the Christian era. We're in it now. We're engaged in it now, bringing more and more by the grace and power of God and through the Holy Spirit. That's why we send missionaries. That's why we go into the world. That's why we share the gospel with others. This is that time that Isaiah was talking about. It's in process. It's a long time, and we don't know how long. We don't have the foresight to see that. But we know it's in process, and it will become, it has been promised, and it will be sure. It, Isaiah said it elsewhere again in another way. The one day the earth shall be full of the knowledge of God as the waters cover the sea. That's pretty extensive. That's not some wimpy, poor showing in the world that God is bringing. We get to be part of that with King Jesus. Now, the portrayal of the vision, listen to verses 2 through 4 again. This is, again, to, to get an idea of what is here. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains it shall be lifted up above the hills, and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. 
And he shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes among many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Now, we're not living there right now, are we? <laughs> we seem to be able to find uh, war pretty easily in this world. But one day, Isaiah said, the day is going to come in which that, that won't even be, it's in the rearview mirror. It's, it's behind us. Before Jesus is through with what he is doing, when he came, when he reigns, where he's reigning now, and when he comes again. In that period, we haven't seen nothing yet. We haven't seen anything yet of what God is going to do. And the Bible is full of these kind of prophecies of good news. In ancient times, you see, mountains were places where heaven and earth came together. Even the pagans, that, that, they did that too. They knew that whatever there is up there, whatever there is out there that's bigger than them, they call to God. We know there's only one true and living God. All the others are idols. They're phantoms. They're make-believe. They're not real. And yet, in ancient times, mountains were places where heaven and earth came together. The things of this realm and the things of the world to come. And that's why they built altars and temples. Think of the Parthenon on the Acropolis in Athens. Many of you have seen it. We've seen it. Uh, it, it that high, elevated. Why? Trying to get it a little closer to heaven. Trying to get it a place where it separates and, and stands apart above all other seats of power. You see, in his vision, Isaiah saw a mountain that rose above all other mountains. It became so prominent and more important than all the other places of worship. Now, does a mountain really rise? No, of course not. But it comes, becomes chief. That's what, it's, what Isaiah is saying. It becomes king. It becomes above all the other. King of kings, Lord of lords. You see, in the biblical Usage, a mountain is a metaphor for the place of God's presence, where he dwells. That's what, what uh, listen to, to uh, Psalm 48, uh, 1 through 2. Um, I think I have that probably the fastest way. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God. His holy habitation, beautiful in elevation, is the joy of all the earth. Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great king. And so Isaiah is talking about the city of this great king. You see, in his vision, Isaiah also saw something 
he saw all nations coming, streaming in, coming up the mountain. Look at the sermon slide there uh, on, the, uh, on the screen now. The mountain of the Lord. You see the hammer that's beating the, uh, the, the sword. I mean, the, the, the sword is being forged and be, being made into a plowshare instead of an instrument of war. You have the animals that are normally against, you know, against and eating one another. You see this and the mountain of the Lord and the, the light that streams and people streaming up to the mountain of the Lord. There's even a little bit better depiction. Uh, I think we got a slide there, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and you can't quite see all of that. But um, that, by the way, just hangs right outside. As you go out to the right, you'll see that uh, painting, uh, that artwork. We've had that up for many, many years. I, I brought that in uh, when I came. And uh, there you see there the, the mountains. And, and, you, and it says, and all the nations will stream to it. All these various paths converging, streaming to the mountain of the Lord. It's an incredible vision and picture of what will happen. And these folks that are coming are disparate. They're not all the same. They don't look the same. They, they, have, they come from all over the world, not just from Jerusalem and Judah. At that time, that was the gatekeepers. But this time tells of when from all over the world, the nations will come to serve our king. And so, it's not limited to contemporary people, but includes the nations, the Gentiles. Unbelievably, the out are in now. That's what comes with the coming of Christ and the gospel. Those that were excluded and were far off now get to stream into the mountain of the Lord. And there will be true justice and real and lasting peace as the swords and spears are transformed. Now again, is that happening right now? Do we see? No, no. Although we do see more than we recognize. There have been times in this world in which things were far worse we may think we have some things rough and difficult, and we do in some ways, but not by comparison. So many things have already begun to change. Jesus has been continuing his work and his reign. And it ultimately, this is a picture, a vision of that day and what it will be characterized by. That instead of war and there will be true justice and there will be real and lasting peace because the King of Peace, our Lord Jesus, has come and, has, and will come again. And in the meantime, he continues to come. That's the beautiful picture. He's come already. He's coming again. And he's coming every day and every moment in this world by his word and by his spirit to accomplish his great purposes. Now the promise of the vision, the vision Isaiah saw was a promise of good news. I mean, how, how could this be anything but? But for this vision to be realized, you know what? We got to change mountains. Can't just go to any old mountain. 
You can't go to one of Herod's mountains or, or some other pagan king's mountains or some other country's or nation's for, fortress and, and place to, to hold up. You can't go into the, you can't, you can't find this in the hermit kingdom. You can't, wh- what is this referring to? You see, we got to switch mountains. Allow me to explain. At the time of Isaiah, remember, they were getting ready to go into captivity. They were getting ready to go into captivity. This, this what was being prophesied was not any way, you couldn't even find a trace of it. They were getting ready to be in a really bad place. But in his day, the holy mountain was not Mount Zion. It was Mount Sinai where Moses went up and met with God to receive the law and was enveloped in thunder and smoke. And people, guess what? They were afraid to come near it. Absolutely terrified. It wasn't something the warm and cuddly up to. It was a, a frightening sight and sound. But Isaiah said, In describing this mountain, that God will make the people want to one day draw near instead of hiding from the mountain he's talking about. And that mountain is not Sinai. Or excuse me, uh, yeah, not Sinai. But that mountain is Zion. You see, listen to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 through 24. What an incredible picture that allows us to draw near. This is the difference. Hebrews 12, 18 through 24. For you, the writer of Hebrews, speaking to Christians, For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountains, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. That's Zion. I mean, excuse me, that's Sinai. That's Sinai. But the writer of Hebrews says, but Jesus has come. Everything has changed now. Listen, this is the mountain that matters now. This is what Isaiah was prophesying. But you have come, Christians, No matter where you're from, you have come if you've come to Jesus. You have come to Mount Zion and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable angels and festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of righteous men and women made perfect. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, 
and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. He's saying, this is the mountain that Isaiah foretold. How do we know this? You see, Isaiah saw a time when the people could come to God without terror and because of Jesus and when he came, that time was then and that time is still now. When can you come to God not afraid? In cloaked in the righteousness and the robes and the accomplishments of Jesus. Now is the time of the fulfillment. Remember what Jesus said in the encounter, encounter with the woman at the well. In John 4, verses 19 through 26, listen. The woman speaking to Jesus said, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain, meaning the mountain of Gerizim, or in Jerusalem, will you worship the Father? And the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am him. You're looking at him, babe. <laughs> That's what he was saying. I'm right in front of you. And you don't have to be afraid any longer. You don't have to fear that other mountain. You're now where I'm taking you to a mountain like Isaiah foretold. You see, something was going and had to happen to switch mountains. How do you get from Sinai to, Jer to Jerusalem? How do you get to Zion? How do you get to that other mountain? that would make it the most important of all mountains. Listen to John chapter 12 and John 12 verses 32 and 33. Jesus said, "And I when I am lifted up from the earth will draw all people to myself." And he said this to show what kind of death he was going to die. That's how to switch. That's the great exchange. You have to give up the mountain of Sinai. You can't be saved by it. It's holy, but it, you can't be saved by it can only be saved by the accomplishments of what happened on Mount Zion, on the hill that sometimes we call Calvary or Golgotha.
I love how the hymn, the gospel brings tidings, says this wonderful truth. The gospel brings tidings, glad tidings indeed, to mourners in Zion who want to be freed from sin and Satan and Mount Sinai's flame. Good news of salvation through Jesus the Lamb. That's what we celebrate today. Good news of salvation through Jesus the Lamb. The one that was slain for us. The one who lives in us and teaches us and shows us the way of truth. You see, today we come streaming, but not up the mountain, here to this place, but it is the place of the promised goodness of God. It's the place of the mountain that was foretold that the nations would stream into. And when we come to this table, we stream to the blessings that Jesus has secured for his people. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do pray and ask, Lord, for your tender mercy and your covenant promises to us. Thank you for the good news. Thank you for the better mountain that we can, Lord, stream be part of that stream that brings glory to you and will one day make evident throughout all the world who is King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, thank you for that promise that we did not have to stay and under the power of Sinai, but the Lord, you brought your son to us that he could be the sacrifice that would bring us Lord, back to you now and forever, unafraid. And we thank you for this, and we pray your blessing on this meal of remembrance in Jesus' name.